lot of times the Lord will use the worship and the the sermon to you know bring the same thing home and i uh yeah one of the things that we lose when we stop acting like children or some something we gain is a jade you become jaded um and so you know we have these experiences that where things don't end up the way that we want them to and we end up losing hope and there's we, we feel like we want to give up right and i think what happens when we you know go from child to adult is that there's a lot of things that we we do give up on while we carry on with other things and even when we looked at uh, uh, those verses from Luke where Jesus was talking about praying and he tells us to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. In these areas that we've given up on, we just don't obey. and We don't follow Jesus' model for prayer. Sometimes we, we can have a feeling of unworthiness that will keep us from asking, from seeking, from knocking. Oh, what happened? Something got bumped around here. Anyways, in, in my notes, I... Never mind. Because um, <clears throat> I, I think it... it and this is kind of a, a childlike thing, but it, it happens to all of us. In all of our minds, when things don't go the way that we want them to, sometimes we we find ways to blame ourselves or say that we're unworthy. Have you ever heard um, someone say this, or maybe you've said it yourself? When something good happens to me, I always know that something bad is going to happen. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. So today we're going to look, we're going to meet a woman who reminds me of this attitude. Um, so in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 37, that's a lot, that's a lot of verses. Uh, we're going to hear the story of Elisha and the real life of the woman at Shunem. So what, um, what we can kind of read between the lines in terms of Elisha, is that he's got this um, kind of circuit where he's going through uh, the northern tribe, of uh, northern kingdom of Israel to different cities. And, and here we go in, in um, 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 8. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed by that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure that this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And then we'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So <clears throat> one day, Elisha returned to Shunem and he went up to his upper room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell the, mm, I better get my Bible open. I, I was dragging stuff around. I think I dragged some some verses around, so I'm not quite sure how they all go together. So where does go to my source? Second Kings chapter four, starting in verse eight. Yeah, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. And when she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, "Tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you?" 
can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Uh, Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at the time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. <clears throat> what a strange reaction, huh? Um, my goodness, I, I mixed up all my, <laughs> all of my, my uh, verses here. <clears throat> so had she given up hope that she would have a child? Uh, her family takes good care of her. She was wealthy, but she didn't have a son. And her husband was an old man. So her reaction to the prophetic word is a strong one. This woman comes across as a survivor who buried the hope of ever having a son and laid a stone over that grave and is carried on and given herself over to that hope being dead. Are there wishes or dreams or hopes that you have had in the past or even now? And, and when you look at your circumstances, you just don't see a way that it would be possible. At the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 4, we saw a widow so far behind in paying her debts, the debt collector was threatening to take her two sons as slaves to pay off the debt. And at that moment, she was a down and outer, right? Well, this woman whose husband is alive and treats her well and is wealthy, we can call her an up and outer. Even when all of our physical needs are met, we still have needs. Elisha was moved by compassion to find a way to bless this woman for her kindness his servant Gehazi gave him the idea that even though she was wealthy, she didn't have a son. God blessed this woman with a son. He fixed the brokenness that she saw and gave her what she hadn't dared dream for or hope for. But real life includes ups and downs. We're going to continue reading in verses 18 through 28. 2 Kings chapter 4, 18 through 28. One day, while her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, My head hurts! My head hurts! His father said to one of the servants, Carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today? He asked. It's neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. I, I, I love how the Bible captures these uh, interactions because, I mean, this... Doesn't this sound like uh, like us guys when our wife tells us something and, and we apply logic and we're like, what, why, you, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to go see the man of God? It's, it's not a new moon festival. It's not even Sabbath. She says, it'll be all right. Just like ladies do, right? It'll be all right. All right. Anyway, so she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, hurry, don't slow down until I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, 
Is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi. Everything is fine. I think she's in shock. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught a hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. And then she said, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? When bad things happen, we're always looking for someone to blame. And it's as though she's blaming Elisha. She's saying that she didn't ask for a son and didn't want to get her hopes up. And by his prophetic word, she gave birth to a son. And now this dream and hope that she had resigned herself to never experiencing in her life, she has had and now she has lost. How cruel. How cruel real life can be when our hopes and dreams are crushed. And even more so when we receive something that, in order to protect our hearts, we had given up on. I am not going to keep asking or keep seeking or keep knocking because it will hurt too much to hope for that and never receive it or never find it or never have that door open. That's what we tell ourselves. But she did receive. And now her pain is even greater. She seems to be operating out of shock. Right? Staying calm and rational with her husband. Telling Gehazi, everything's all right. But as soon as she gets to Elisha, all of her pain and anguish comes pouring out. Let's see what happens here. So Second um, Kings chapter 4, now we're going to be reading the rest of the verses 29 through 37. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elijah returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. And then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then he stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, tell the child's mother, he said, call her here. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. One question that pops into my mind when I read stories like this is, why? Why did this have to happen? Why would God give this woman a son miraculously only to have the child die years later as a child? An answer that we teach in the Vineyard Movement is we are living in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. 
when Jesus lived and taught and walked the earth, the kingdom of God broke into our world. Miracles, prophecies, healings, grace, and forgiveness are aspects of the kingdom of God. But his kingdom has not fully arrived. Our real life experience is both the kingdom of God breaking in and this current kingdom where we experience loss and sickness and ruin and hatred and death. Elijah had a similar situation in 1 Kings 17 with the widow at Zarephath, remember? Her and her son were rescued from starvation by the word of the prophet, but then the son died. And the widow had a similar reaction, asking, what have you, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? And Elijah also took the dead boy to the room that he stayed in, and he stretched himself over the child three times while he prayed to the Lord. Now, it only took Elisha two times, so does that mean that he's more spiritual than Elijah? No, no. Remember what Jesus taught us about prayer last week. Keep asking, and keep seeking, and keep knocking. And you know, in the vineyard, the vineyard has a five-step prayer model. And step four is called prayer engagement, which includes asking the one receiving prayer if they are sensing anything or if they're, you know, if they're getting uh, prayer because of pain. Is the degree of pain changing? And, and this is usually follow up, followed up by continued prayer. And this model of engagement during prayer and continuing prayer is based on Jesus' own ministry. Uh, we see in Mark chapter 8. Come on, mouse. Mark chapter 8, Jesus uh, has a blind man brought to him so that he can heal him. And I think it's interesting. So, <clears throat> Elisha. He gets to the woman's house. He goes into the room alone and he closes the door. What's that all about? Well, Jesus does the same thing. Mark chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked him, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And <laughs> I was thinking, some of us when we were praying for people were like, we would hear, you know, if we if we were praying for somebody and we heard that, we're like, well, that sounds like improvement. Great. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. And I'm so glad that the Bible includes these kinds of stories where it's kind of messy. And it includes these real life issues that we can relate to. Scripture is alive and it speaks to us, showing us who God is and what he is like. He loves us, and he blesses us, and he rescues us. His kingdom breaks into our world and creates life out of nothing. He knows your deepest hopes and desire, and he can give it to you just because he likes you. But what about when our greatest treasure on earth, a possession or relationship that we dare not even hope for is in our life, and then it's gone. What do you do? The season of pandemic that we are in is full of feelings of loss. 
as a church, one of those losses has been the benefit of seeing each other in person and shaking a hand and receiving a hug, and as well as the interactions, the encouragements, the spontaneous prayers, the laughter, the tears that we get to share with one another as we bear each other's burdens. For me, not being able to see your faces and whether you're engaged at all during uh, these messages is a loss that I'm experiencing. So what do you do when blessings that have been in our lives are gone? The truth is we can't make God do anything for us. But we see over and over in Scripture, and likely in our own past, that he rescues us, not usually from our storms, but through our storms. He is with us in the middle of whatever storm we are in. He will see us through our losses. And I don't know if it's an encouragement to you, but sometimes for me it, it feels like, um, well, it is what it is, right? In terms of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We pray for folks, and they don't get healed. That's the not yet. And I want to have faith. I'm, I, want, I want to see the kingdom. I want to see people healed. I want to see prayers answered. But even when we don't see prayers answered in the moment, that doesn't mean that God isn't with us through what we're experiencing. He is with us. He's with us during these times of loss. He's with us during those times of blessing. And one of the reasons why I think this was the series that ended up being what we're going through during this COVID-19 pandemic is because <clears throat> these real-life experiences, these real-life losses that maybe we can relate to at, a, at, at some level, what these, what these people keep doing right is they go to a prophet who has the Holy Spirit. That's what they do right. And that's what we can do. We don't need to go to someone else. If we've said yes to Jesus, he's given us his spirit. And we can take our losses and we can bring them to him. And he might bless us and give us an answer right now. And then he might not. But stay with us through what we're experiencing in the loss. I'm going to read the verses that we read last week uh, from Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Remember, he had that, that really <laughs> weird example. If you go to a neighbor's house in the middle of the night, and he's already in bed, and you ask him for bread, and you just keep knocking, not out of friendship, but because of your, your persistence, he'll give you that bread. And so, and so here, here's what he says. So I tell you, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. 
Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, finds. Everyone who seeks, well, let me, I, I probably typed that wrong. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. All of these areas where we may be feeling loss or anxiety or unfairness or frustration, God's big enough and, and he's a good dad. And you can bring all of your heart's trouble to him. And as Jesus said, I tell you, keep on bringing those to him. I need this reminder, and I'm going to assume maybe some of you do too. <laughs> keep on bringing your prayers and requests and petitions to the Lord. Let's pray. God, we can experience lots of disappointment in this world. And that disappointment can create filters so that when we look at you even our view is skewed we understand things uh, from a point of being jaded of feeling unworthy of saying in our hearts and sometimes even out loud God might bless that person, but he wouldn't do that for me. The truth is you love us and your desire is to bless us and break your kingdom in and that we would be with you for eternity. When we say yes to you, eternity starts and you are with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Open our hearts to receive you, to open those areas where we've got a lot of pain from disappointment and Be with us through it. We pray with open palms facing upwards to receive what you give to us and we leave our hands open because there's times when you take stuff away. God, help us to wrap our heads and our hearts and our minds around the now and the not yet of the kingdom and encourage us, give us bold faith to keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. You are faithful. And we can put our faith in the one that is faithful. Come, Lord. Break your kingdom into our worlds. Amen.